tonight's Bible reading comes from Psalm 121, which you can find on page 500 of the Pew Bibles in front of you, or you can follow along on the screen. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Thanks, Chloe, very much. I never really enjoyed school. Uh, I left in what was called fourth form then, or year 10. Uh, so I never did the higher school certificate. But I have heard a number of years ago that there was a, an area in English high school, uh, the English curriculum for year 12, was, was journey, writing about journey. And journey as a concept can mean a whole lot of different things. It could be a literal journey, going from one point on the map to another point. Or it could be the experience of a symbolic journey, such as walking the Kokoda Trek. Or it could be a metaphorical journey through uh, fear or insecurity. Uh, I was in year eight. Uh, I think it was about year eight. Um, I, was part of, I grew up as part of a church. My parents were involved in a, a church called Concord Baptist Church. And a property across from the church had been demolished. Um, in those days, residential properties didn't have barriers around them. You could walk on it. We used to climb up and get bottles that we take to the milk bar and get five cents for them, um, which I'm sure you don't know what it means. But uh, So we used to go and play on this demolition site, and they had earth-moving equipment on there. And one Sunday, uh, another guy and myself, uh, there was a, a front-end loader. Um, and we jumped on there and we're doing the steering wheel, pretending we're driving the tractor. And there was a knob and I'm pulling it in and out and in and out and boom! All of a sudden the tractor starts up. I'm just ever thankful that the scoop was down on the ground. Because there was a house just over there. And I shudder to think if it actually went into the house. Uh, well, what do you do when that happens? A tractor starts, you don't realise? I run. And the tractor's still going. And thankfully, the other guy's father saw what happened and he came across and he pulled something out and it stopped. Well, this other guy said to me, you know they're going to get you. The people who own that are going to come and get you. Uh, they're going to bash you up. Well, I was petrified. And for about three weeks, every time the phone rang, I thought it was going to be them. Every time they knocked on the door, I thought they were going to be them. Every time I walked to school, I would be looking around thinking, someone's going to get me. It was an awful journey. Looking back, I was paranoid and petrified. 
Life in all its facets and complexities is a journey. And within the journey of life, there are lots of little different journeys. Well, Psalm 121 is about a journey of insecurity, questioning whether God can be trusted, and then being assured that God is faithful. He watches and provides all that is needed through the journey of life. This psalm, Psalm 121, is actually the second psalm in a group of psalms that go from 120 to 134. And they were possibly written by people who were travelling back from being, travelling back on a journey, having been in exile in another country called Babylon and coming back to their homeland. Potentially this is where these psalms were written. But they've been grouped together to form this body of psalms within the book of psalms and they were sung as worshippers went up the mountain to worship at Jerusalem at their festivals. And so if you look at the Bible, you'll see on the top, they're all called songs of ascent, songs of going up. The Old Testament prophets had constantly warned Israel not to worship other gods. The Lord God is one. And yet the Israelites kept being attracted to the gods of the surrounding nations and what they claimed to offer. And it seems as though as worshippers were walking up, as it were, on a pilgrimage, going up to Jerusalem, they would pass the shrines of other gods that have been allowed to be erected. And the temptation was to wonder whether these other gods would actually meet their needs more. A god like Baal, regarded as the sun or the storm god who was believed to control nature and send rain, which was incredibly important for an agricultural society. Or Asherah, the moon goddess who promised fertility and life, which was vital for good crops and for procreation to keep the ancestral line going. And so as these people walked up and passed these other shrines of gods, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Are these other things more helpful? Uh, today, we don't have Baal or Asherah. We don't have statues generally, although lots of other cultures do. And yet we still have gods. Uh, Ange mentioned one before, the god of money, the god of sex, the god of our identity and technology, the god of the mobile phone. It's fascinating, I don't catch a train, but sometimes if I do, standing on the platform, and some, sometimes I'm one of them, and just looking at how many people on the platform have a mobile phone, watching, speaking, earphones, doing something with the phone. It's like phones own us. They dictate us. I admire people when they ring, they can just leave them. I become agitated. They have control, it seems, over us. 
It's like they own us and we worship them. We get our value from them. We get our information from them. They determine what is real for us. We give time to things like social media or games. I lift my eyes to the phone. Where does my help come from? Well, Psalm 121 begins with one person asking whether God has answers for life's journey. I lift my eyes. We'll come to this in a moment. But while an individual asks this, there would have been many others that were journeying up at the same time, journeying to the festivals. And while the individual may have had questions, is God real? Can he be trusted? Will he meet my needs? They may have had needs. They may have felt really distant from God. And yet the encouragement of lots of others doing the same thing. Participating. Seeing others joyfully involved. Seeing others singing as they go. Would spur them on and remind them of God's character. It's not the same, but I thought maybe it's a little bit like running in the sea to surf. I don't know if you've ever run in the sea to surf. I've done it three times. Um, interesting, there's a lady who's in hospital at the moment, comes in the morning, she's uh, almost 90, she's run it 20 or 30 times. But running in the sea to surf, it's incredibly motivating when you see lots of other people with real challenges persevering. Older people doing it. People in wheelchairs doing it. People struggling doing it. And as I try to keep going, it provides motivation to me. And sometimes I want to say to people who are hobbling along, Maybe they're 70 or 80. I want to say, you are an inspiration to me. So the writer in the psalm says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It actually reminds us of Genesis chapter 1, that God is the creator and sustainer of all things. He's the one who ultimately we find meaning and life in. We find purpose. And to find purpose, to find meaning, to find a sense of rest brings relief. Not having to keep trying. Maybe like you, I like having some control in situations. It seems a natural thing. However, if I think things rest on me, if I think I need to come up with the answers to things, I can feel the weight. The weight of trying to work out what to do to solve the problem, to help another person. 
and I go through periods of time that I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm thinking and I lie awake and saying to myself, don't think as I keep thinking. This happened probably about eight or nine years ago for it, it seemed maybe three or four months trying to work out this particular issue. And I came to the point of saying, repeating myself as I lay in bed, the first verse of Psalm 91, the one who dwells in the shelter of the Lord will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And trying to stop my mind from thinking and going round and round and round, I would think about this verse. The one who dwells in the shelter of the Lord will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. In order to rest, I need to dwell. I need to abide. In order to find some sense of peace, I need to be connected with who God is. That didn't mean that the solution of straight away came, but rather, as I tried to adjust my focus and not carry the burden of trying to come up with a solution, it was very helpful for me. As I mentioned, the psalm begins with an individual, I, my. But then we read you and your, which are plural. It's a reminder that while we live individual lives, we are part of a wider family. A wider family, and, and as Robin said in terms of Holiday Club, of all different generations, but a wider family, not only in living now, but of those generations that have gone before, and maybe those that will come. A guy called Dennis Rainey uh, tells the story of the short life of his granddaughter, whose name was Molly. She was born with a brain aneurysm, um, a weakness in one of the, the walls of a, a blood vessel in her brain. Molly only lived for seven days. And those days were traumatic for Molly's parents and grandparents. And yet they held firmly to the trust that God is good in the midst of what they did not understand. And they were confident that they would see Molly again in heaven. And then he says, he goes on to tell or recount he said, years ago, Barbara, his wife, and I visited southwest England and stumbled across a little town at a crossroad in the country with a pub, a decaying church, and a graveyard. We stopped and read a few of the gravestones. One was barely legible, commemorated a family that had lived in the 1600s. Buried beneath this stone were the mother who gave birth to a son and died 10 days after that, at the age of 24. Her son, who she gave birth to, lived 13 months, and the father, who died a few years after, a few days after, 
his son at the age of 25. And the faded words on the grave marker moved them so deeply that they asked the parents that they would etch them on Molly's stone. And they read, We cannot, Lord, thy purpose see, but all is well that's done by thee. There is so much we cannot see or know in life's journey. But it's not unknown to God who watches over his people. The psalm says, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Notice the words watch or watches five times, just in this brief psalm. And the word watch can be also translated as guards or keeps. He guards and cares for his people. Not so that they will have a trouble-free life, but so that they will mature and reach our eternal home. That God watches over his people means nothing will happen that is not purposed by God. He never sleeps. He never loses concentration. In 1997, uh, we'd been down visiting our our parents for Christmas. It was Boxing Day. We were driving home back. We were living up at Toronto and Lake Macquarie. And as we came, probably just within five minutes of Toronto, just driving down the road, all of a sudden this other car came straight towards us. And I slammed on the brakes and I said, oh no, and the car hit us almost head on. Well, we were spun around didn't roll over, and I guess I was in shock. I was trying to get out of the window to make sure everyone was all right. The police said that we were very fortunate that no one was killed. I used to get nightmares. I would wake up crying out, no! Feeling as though there's this something that's there coming to get me. It turns out the driver had fallen asleep. He didn't purpose to do that. He didn't say, I'm going to have a sleep now. If I were God, I would have done things differently. And yet, if God never sleeps, then he was watching through that horror. He was very much aware of what was happening. Indeed, he knew what would happen. If I were God, I would do things differently. But he's not working for my abundant life in this world. 
but for my abundant life in his world, in eternity. Eternity that begins now in the Lord Jesus, but carries on. But the God who watches, protects and gives us value. That God watches over his people means that he will protect you on the journey of life. The person who wrote the psalm talked about the sun and the moon and possibly their references to worshipping. In other religions, worshipping other gods. And in thinking of modern day gods, the Lord will protect us from the destructive messages. The Lord will protect us from the destructive messages of social media, that God of social media. Our values and worth are not in what other people say about us. Our values and worth is not in what I think about myself. My significance is not ultimately in what I do or who I know or what I write or how I respond. Value and significance is about who God is and that I am made in his image. And one of the greatest lessons I need to learn and to keep learning because I don't seem to learn it well enough is not to compare myself with other people. It is so easy to look at other people and either want to be like them or glad I'm not like them or wish something else. But find opportunity to be grateful for who I am in Christ and what I have in Christ. And the God who watches will bring us safely home. That God watches over his people means that he will watch over your life and bring you into his heaven. Again, another lesson that I need to learn is that God's goal is not our comfort and happiness. We get sucked into the world's thinking to think, I should be happy, I should be comfortable. But happiness and comfort are always dependent upon circumstances. And circumstances change. I can't control them. And if my happiness is dependent upon circumstances, I'm going to go up and down everywhere. And I'll be incredibly unhappy at different times. But God is at work to grow and mature us in Christ-likeness. And maturity is very different to happiness. It never means that we're not going to hit our thumb with a hammer. It never means we're not going to have an accident. It doesn't mean we won't get cancer. But it does mean that no injury or illness or mishap or anything else will have the power to separate us from God's love or destroy our sufficiency and security in Christ. When I was growing up at Concord Baptist Church, there was a, uh, a girl just a little bit younger than me. Her name was Janet. And she married, sometime later, she married a, a guy called Graham. Uh, and Graham, probably about 12 or 14 years ago, was diagnosed with motor neurone disease. Um, he didn't like it. And slowly he began to lose the use of his arms and then his legs. 
he was in a wheelchair, they bought one of those English taxis so that he could be drive up to a taxi and, be tra and Janet could drive him around. And yet, in the midst of what he did not want and in that sense hated, he continued to trust that God was with him. And he had the opportunity to reflect that in, in how he lived and the joy he exuded. He was actually interviewed uh, on TV once. Um, it was around uh, a similar time. I'm not sure whether it was Christopher Reeve, Superman, or someone else like that who'd been diagnosed with something similar to that. And he was desperate for uh, um, uh, stem cell therapy with a chance for him to be able to be restored. But they also interviewed Graham. And Graham talked about God knew what was happening. And while he didn't want to leave his wife, there was a sense of trust. And he had a lovely smile. And he was always known for being thankful and grateful. At his funeral, he, Graham was... Uh, people talked and testified to him about a man who loved life and relationship despite so much suffering. And there was, on his service sheet, there was this beautiful picture of Graham before he got MND. He was, in a, he was on a, a, a creek in a tire tube, uh, lying back in the water and with this beaming smile on his face. And the caption read, running and leaping and praising God, which was true for him with a new body. It didn't mean a trouble-free life for him, but a life in which he knew God was watching, keeping, protecting. The reality is that Christians breathe the same air as everyone else. We pay the same petrol prices as everyone else. We shop in the same stores. We're subject to the same stresses. The difference is that God has opened up our eyes to see who Jesus is. And the Lord Jesus, whose death and resurrection assures us he watches over and protects us from every evil. And ultimately, this psalm is fulfilled in who Jesus is, in his death, we are protected, protected from evil, protected from the judgment of sin and the, protected from hell. And we're brought to our destination. The world is very good at offering us help. But it's only Jesus who could pay a price as both God and human to bring reconciliation. And it's he who watches over. And it's he who intercedes for us. And it's he who says, I am the way, the truth and the life. This is your God. I'll lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord Jesus, the Father.
his spirit. How good God is, he gives us his spirit so we're not left alone. How good God is, he gives us his word so we're not left alone. How good God is, he gives us his church, one another, so we're not left alone. Let me pray. Now, Father, we thank you for the encouragement that you watch over. We so freely confess that we don't understand most things. We don't understand why things happen to us when you were watching over us. And yet we stand back and remember your character, that you are good and faithful. You are wise, you are sufficient. And therefore, we try to take comfort and confidence that your desire is for our maturity. We thank you for this psalm. Thank you that you guard us. You have protected us through the Lord Jesus and his death in our place. We want to dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. So please help us rest in him. Thank you that you are good. Amen.